0: Hello, welcome to the Chasing Sunday podcast. This is your host, Paul Romick mclevitt I'm stepping in for a couple episodes for Brian Davis, uh, because here at Torn Curtain Arts, the company that produces Chasing Sunday, uh, we've been pretty busy. So we've got a lot that that we do. Uh, We help a lot of small churches um, with worship leading and coaching and creative consulting. And then we do this podcast where we get to talk to creatives and cre- creative leaders and artists, um, just like Lauren Richmond Jr., who is on the show today. Now, Lauren's a little bit of a different kind of guest for us because Lauren's not a worship leader. Lauren is a lead pastor. He is a church planter. Actually, you can find him on Twitter with a, a pretty clever uh, handle. His handle is Failed Church Planter. Um, And I find that really refreshing because I think he acknowledges just how much failure (laughs) is involved in the job of church planting and kind of in ministry in general. Um, And you'll be able to hear Lauren's story a little bit more later. Um, Lauren has... Uh, a special relationship with torn curtain he's part of our board of directors um, and he also hosts one of the shows that we produce which is called future christian and if you haven't heard future christian i highly recommend it lauren gets to speak with a lot of fantastic authors and thinkers uh he's had uh, brian mclaren paula stone williams uh deborah i'm sorry um Diana Butler Bass was a fantastic episode. Uh, Jay Baker, uh, some of these authors that you may have known, may have read, um, that really speak about, uh, you know, what the future of Christianity is going to look like. Um, definitely comes from more of a um, progressive point of view. Um, so if that's your, um, what do they call it, bag bag of rice, <laughs> your 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 cup of tea, I couldn't think of my metaphors. Actually, this conversation that we recorded was also used on the Future Christian uh, podcast. So that's why you might hear me referencing um, his own podcast. Uh, We did this thing where I came on and interviewed him on his own podcast. So uh, that's what we're referring to here in this episode and um, I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a fantastic conversation. Um, we, we hit on some topics that aren't often covered when we're talking about ministry and some of the expectations we have on senior leaders and, um, and ministry as a whole. So enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast. First of all, welcome to your own podcast, Lauren. Thanks. Yeah, it's a different position to be in. Yes, just just for the record, you have to say it's good to be here. That is, it is good to be here. Get. That's good. Good. Now that you're you're learning how to be more of a guest uh, on a show, and that's that's totally great. Well, um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know who Lauren is, but maybe you're turning tuning in for the first time. And let me tell you a little bit about Lauren. Lauren uh, has his Master of Divinities from Phillips Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He um, grew up in, uh, what was it, Maryland? Is that right? Not quite. Grew up, not quite. Um, but, New York City but, and but Colorado. Maybe in New York City and Colorado. I was close. Maryland was close, close to this sort of thing. He grew up, but you grew up independent Baptist, right? And your dad's a mm-hmm. pastor. Yep and uh and you went to Bible College in Springfield, Missouri uh and you got your bachelor of science in youth ministry and bible and then right out of that you went right into youth ministry is that right yep how about that for a dunk into uh, ministry yeah it life? was it was i bet um and then taking your first lead pastor role at a denomination dun- sorry denominational church is that here in Colorado
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah okay and um had the task of a you know a young lead pastor who to turn around and revitalize this aging congregation as there are many of those around and, and you saw just this 50 percent rise in membership and in giving and um, they were just so excited about that that they were like we got to get you out of here <laughs> <laughs> So no, I I I'm joking. But uh, but Lauren has been the pastor for 3 years of Mission Gathering Christian Church in Thornton, Colorado, which is a progressive inclusive Christian church committed to full LGBT plus inclusion. And uh we'll we'll be talking a little bit more about that um that journey and in in Lauren being a pastor of that church um but he's also studying to get his um a uh, master's in business administration at Hope International University. He is just like nonstop. He doesn't know when to quit, uh, he, but he's <laughs> going into uh, having an emphasis in nonprofit management. And he's also the, the, the host and producer of the Future Christian podcast, in which he gets to talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders about their advice and their practical wisdom um, as the church is walking boldly into the future. I mean, he's had some pretty great guests. I will just say my favorites, some of my favorites are Jay Baker and Brian McLaren just recently was really great. Um, but if you go all the way back and listen to season one, uh, Diana Butler Bass, her her conversation was really great. And then I loved conversations with Chuck DeGroat, Thomas J Ord was just blowing my mind. It was really, some had some fantastic guests. Um, so welcome Lauren. Is there anything I have missed? in that um, setup. I know you're married, you have two young children, maybe you can fill us in on a little bit of the rest of your story.
1: Well, the funnest and simplest way I like to say it is I'm a white suburban dad. Like, I'm as white as suburban dad as you can get almost. Like, I'm not currently wearing cargo shorts, uh, but I was wearing them last night. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's that's the epitome, I think, of white suburban dadness
0: that's the uniform. If you move into a house, mm-hmm. you know, in suburban Colorado and there isn't a pair of cargo shorts ready for you, right? your standard issue, then talk to your realtor because that needs to happen. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's great. Um, well, Lauren, tell me a little bit about your spiritual upbringing. What did it mean to you to be a Christian in, in the past, sort of as you were growing up?
1: Wow, this is... This is bringing back some memories. So my dad was a was a pastor in New York City and um, in Flushing, Queens. I think it was that's where at least where I lived and he was a pastor of a church there in Queens area and we lived in a church parsonage and you know, my whole life was church and when I was five years old, I remember, I remember having a conversation with my dad about getting saved and for whatever reason, I remember one week he is asking me like, "Hey, Lauren, why don't you come forward and in, in church to get saved?" Because that was that was part of the culture back then. And I just have this memory of one day walking in my dad's office and like, "Hey, Dad, I want to get saved today." And you know, I was I was five years old, and that's that's what you did. Um, I remember getting baptized, um, and then you know from there it was kind of all church all the time and and when i was in high school uh church was a big part and i i sensed like a a quote-unquote call to ministry and a big part of my formation as just a person was about when i was eight or nine for to be honest reasons i still don't understand to this day uh, as I said, we were living in the church parsonage and, and my dad's church was struggling financially and we ended up merging with another church and that meant that we had to leave the parsonage and obviously my dad didn't make a lot of money and New York real estate being what it was even back then, you know, us finding a place to live wasn't within the scope of reason. So we moved out to my my mom's parents here in Colorado And, um, you know, we were, we were pretty low on the the economic spectrum, so to speak. I mean, I remember at first we lived in their house and then we lived in, in a, a small, like 600 foot. No, I think it was like 700 square foot, maybe 800 square foot two bedroom house. It was just tiny. Uh, And then we lived in public housing for a time. Um, so it was really, uh, you know, it was a, an interesting uh, experience growing up uh but my dad went to a bible college and i i followed kind of his lead in some ways and went to bible college straight out of high school and was really committed to to go into the into the ministry so to speak and i pursued like paul you said a a degree in youth ministry and bible because that's what i wanted to do was to minister to youth and i i got a job straight out of high straight out of college working as a as a youth director at a church. And I remember, you know, it was like, it's like any first time ministry job where there's a lot of, a lot of learnings and growth and stumbling and, and, you know, getting your feelings hurt that you realize come to realize later, just part of the job and part of ministry. Um, But I remember like 13 months in the pastor came to me and, and, you know, the church was, poorly managed, to be honest. It was just like many churches, poorly managed. And I remember they came to me and said, like the pastor came to me and said, Hey, Lauren, what would you think if, uh, um, you know, we need to cut your salary by two thirds. And I was obviously a bit taken aback by that. And I like
0: that, I like that it's posed as a question. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? What do you think if we cut your salary two thirds?
1: Yeah. So I was, You know i was obviously being young in ministry and you know having come out of the quote unquote honeymoon period of ministry so to speak i just i just took that as like i guess it's time to leave you know in hindsight probably would have been better to me just say that's that's bullshit and let's figure something else out um but we left i was married korea and i were married um got married really young and moved back to Colorado. And then months later moved back to Springfield, Missouri, so she could finish her degree. And in that process, I kind of, kind of, I entered state school to do a, to try to try to do a religious studies, uh, graduate degree. And somehow found myself into a, a deconstruction and questioned everything and eventually met a Disciples of Christ pastor named Phil Snyder, and he introduced me to uh, a book by Marcus Borg uh, called "Heart of Christianity," which is probably I, I say would have saved my faith. I think in many ways, and it eventually led me. I, I realized like, hey, graduate school is not for me, but I still want to pursue this. So eventually found my way to seminary, and to eventually to uh, ordained ministry, which has been, you know, as any as any pastor will say, full of Blessings and cursings, I guess we might say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, you, you've you've articulated so uh, a kind of path that at least I can relate to a lot because that was my first uh, job out of out of college. I went to college for worship ministry, and but I ended up getting a job in in youth ministry in the first uh in the my 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 first position in a full time role in a church. And that was just, it seems like the right atmosphere to have some sort of deconstruction because it's eventually like inevitable in, in youth ministry, I suppose, because um, just because of how so many churches are structured for that youth person to be so transitional.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And just kind of turned out and all that kind of stuff. How would you say your Christianity, you know, what's the contrast? between then and now, what, what's the real, how do you know you're, you're, you're different in terms of your Christianity now?
1: The shortest answer I can give is like where 20 years ago I was all about knowing all the answers. Now I just, I don't, I don't say I don't care, but it's not important to me. Um, like I'm less concerned. Like you ask me today how I feel about a theological, Doctrine, I might answer one way. If you answer, ask me tomorrow, I might answer completely different. And it's not that I don't think those are important or that they have impact. It's just that I don't think that's what really matters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's like the last time I, uh, somebody had asked me about whether I believed in a literal interpretation of Genesis or not. Mm-hmm. Or what what if if science and and christianity can uh can coexist and that those sort of questions now just make me so exhausted because <laughs> i feel like i have to yeah. go back in time to figure out like okay how do i have this conversation that the premise the very premise of the conversation is something i just i don't give any time to don't yeah. want to have, have anything yeah. to do with um yeah so but you've continued to have uh, in the midst of these de- the deconstruction, the reconstruction, the ongoing ministry work, are there any um, practices, spiritual practices, that you've discovered that have been really life
1: giving to you? I mean, I think I think it was for a long time running. Um, I've had a back injury that I haven't been able to do that, and so I've gotten into bike riding a lot. And um, also say I I'd also say. Um, journaling i'm i'm nearing the end of a journal that i started almost 15 years ago um so it's not it's not an everyday occurrence it's you know once or twice a week um and then i i'm not very good at it but i i'm trying to incorporate prayer regularly
0: (laughs) sounds terrible
1: yeah i no no i i'm the first
0: person who is just kind of like i'm terrible at prayer but i feel like i i want to get better at prayer and i it seems like uh a, a strange that would have been a really strange thing for me to say when i was a younger christian yeah because i would have thought oh prayer is the easiest thing in the world mm-hmm. what is it it's just talking to god it's just like you just and then as I matured, as I, got, I think I matured and got better, I realized actually prayer is really difficult because it's more than just talking, right? Yeah, It's actually prayer is pr- primarily listening. And I had experiences with people taking me on contemplative retreats and showing me some sort of contemplative practices where I realized, oh my gosh, how difficult it is because I have to be faced with silence, I have to be faced with myself, with my, the chatter of my ego in prayer, and uh, and I think that uh, that's why a lot of people kind of avoid prayer and mm-hmm. just, uh, at least Christians do, avoid prayer and substitute it with saying prayers, you know? Mm. I could just say a prayer here in yeah. a small group or say a prayer at church or whatever, and so yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about the, the the spiritual practices that I think what's interesting about the ones that you mentioned is they all kind of create they they require some level of focus and it, a little suffering. You know, they're hard. Mm. Biking not always easy, right? Yeah, biking is hard because you got hills.
1: Yeah, yesterday, trust me, I was I was sweating pretty good.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, because, I mean, it's the same, like, running is part of my spiritual practice. Yeah. And I've never gotten to a place where it's like, every morning I go, oh, I can't wait to go running. You know? No, it's still kind of difficult. And that, I think, makes it an effective spiritual practice. Um, Well, cool. Um, Okay, so, Lauren, one of the things we're going to just do is we're going to, I'm going to ask you some of these questions that are related to kind of the season that you're in right now Mm -hmm. because you're actually experiencing something that uh at least from the research that i've seen from gallup and from placement industries like slingshot and stuff would say about 30 to 40 million people um who tend to be like um white educated usually male um are going through this season that in their deconstruction where their, their faith has just sort of gotten to this place where they kind of lose church into some degree Mm -hmm. and both professionally, a lot of them professionally and they're, they're, they're sort of out they're sort of, um, and, and I wanted to ask you if that, if that's something you would like to talk about, um, during this time.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. Tell me what's, tell me what's, what's the current, Um, landscape of your life right now?
1: Well, the current thing that I'm most recently working through, I guess, is um, I think you talked about it in the introduction, um, but the church that I started a little over three years ago, Mission Gathering, Christian Church in Thornton, uh, it's coming to a close. And, you know, like, like any new church, nothing's guaranteed in life, yet I can't imagine anyone who starts a ministry like this while we probably all know that the odds are stocked, stocked against us, stacked against us. It's certainly not, it's not what you want. It's not what you worked hard for. And I think, I think that's, it's, it's hit me. i i guess i i guess i'd say I, I didn't realize how hard it would hit me of uh, just the grieving process of seeing this come to a close yeah
0: yeah i and what's interesting about this moment right now and where people are maybe listening to you is this is like ground zero often yeah. uh some pastor will come on a podcast about a year or two years after a church is closed, and they'll talk about the season of wilderness, the mm-hmm. the liminal space that it, they experienced, right? and but that's not where you are, that you're right at the beginning, you know? And there's so much um I would imagine for you, for the people around you, to try and rush to create some narrative that gives this meaning or sense you know hope like i i think we are often addicted to hope but not in a good way (laughs) yeah um you know we're we're addicted to hope in the ways in which we can we can cover over some of the pain some of the grieving in order to just not feel uncomfortable and go like yeah this really sucks and this is not this was not by design this is not a good thing like this is this is a bad thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's okay to say that and and sort of stay in that um what uh what have you been noticing about yourself right now in in the season because and maybe and even kind of let us know where you are in sort of the timeline of events yeah from you know when when you started to sense this this thing was you know, and we we were coding this in the the uh, sort of after the first year of a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, and when things started to look like, oh, I don't know if this is going to make it. Uh, and then where you are now.
1: I mean, I think by some stretch, like in the broader, in the broadest context, like the Denver area is a super hard market so to speak context to start a church like yeah. evangelicals come here all the time and die don't make it um starting a progressive lgbtq plus affirming church um is another matter so i think you know i i wouldn't say i was under any illusions that this thing was guaranteed to work and i know you know but there was i, I remember i can remember like a few times back like when a sunny morning went well and be like holy shit, this is going to work, you know, like, man, this is going to make it. And then, you know, the pandemic came around and I, I looked at it as like, okay, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Trying to think that opportunity language. Um. And it, you know, as the pandemic wore on and it wore on and it wore on and it wore on, you know, I, I, I kept trying to pivot and pivot and pivot. And I, I think a lot of what the common narrative around entrepreneurship and new things is that, well, if you're just creative enough and hardworking enough and energetic enough, like things will work out. And, and I don't mean to discount energy and creativity and hard work, but there's some things that just, it's just too much. And, and I don't, right. you know, and I don't, I don't want to say it was all the pandemic cause I think it's more complicated than that. Um, but I, I know I was kind of wrestling with, like, how is this going to work? And, and thinking about my vocationality, about how much am, how much cost am I willing to, to really bear to my myself and my family as this thing goes on. And so about a month ago, a little over a month ago, some of my superiors, so to speak, came to me and said, Lauren, you know, I, I, think, I think it's time. And I didn't like hearing it, to be honest, and I, I still don't like hearing it, but I think you know, I, I told this person that I don't think you're wrong. Um, so as we stand today, like literally today we're recording this, the, the, the last Sunday or last weekend service is a couple weeks away. And I'm not, I don't feel any better about it, to be honest, than I did a month ago. Um, like just to be real, like it still hurts the same. Um it's hard to say like I'm not I'm not sure to you know you ask about how it's hit my body I'm not sure I've noticed how it's hit my body yet to be honest um I know this
0: like
1: I was just going to say like I have this pain in my neck that I feel like is stress related <laughs> uh huh
0: well, it seems like i've heard a lot of people recently saying like the body knows first um and and then how interconnected our bodies and our emotions are that we'll often feel some of the the trauma in our bodies before we even know that's like, oh that's anger that's sadness or whatever i've started to notice a little bit of those those things one thing that came up in a it was actually in a recent podcast of future christian um you were talking with i don't remember her name it was about burnout
1: what was Mm -hmm. her name yeah bethany Uh, dearborn heiser
0: there we go and uh really about this this idea of kind of toxic productivity i don't know if she even used that but but that is a um a defense mechanism toward grief if we can like ramp up our productivity um, have you felt that temptation to kind of like, okay, I've got a, no loss is going to get me down. Nothing is going to like, did you, you kind of have that narrative? Like I'm going to come back stronger.
1: Well, I think, I think that was kind of like my, my attitude, like during the pandemic, at least during the latter half, like, Hey, I'm just going to work harder and we're going to get out of this. Like it's just like, if I can just be creative enough and in, innovative enough, um, like, that this is going to work out, um, kind of like just not recognizing the inevitable, and you know, wh- to some extent I'm I'm slowly learning, like yesterday, you know, as I joked about in that podcast, and our listeners will have to go back and listen to that, like I joked about how I always kind of like snide, snidely think about folks who take it take a day off to go like on a prayer hike or something. <laughs> so yesterday I'm just like F that, like I'm going to go for a bike ride. So I went to North Table Mountain, which is a, a nice nature trail area around here and did a mountain bike and sweated my butt off because it was a hard ride. Um, But it was like, or else I'm just going to sit around and come up with things to do that I don't really need to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I think one of the things that I think could be so important for anybody listening because we all go through change. And change is, you know, depending, it's kind of on a spectrum. It could be very dramatic, very, and, and I would say on the scale of uh, stress, losing jobs um, and, and especially something like starting a church that you've been solely responsible for and seeing that end, it's, is huge. It's a trauma. It's something that, um, and being uh, sort of normalizing your experience can be really helpful And terms was like, okay, this is, this is actually okay that I'm acting like this, that I'm really feeling these things. These are normal. When um, we just try in our, in our society, we just kind of like, nope, it's any sort of weakness has just got to get Pushed down or, or, or set aside because, um, it's, it's, it doesn't belong. And you were going to say something about that. Sorry.
1: Well, I was just gonna say like, that's one thing that I have been trying to be really intentional about is just honoring my grief. Um, you know, like you said, there's, there's always this kind of push to just tough it out and get through. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't like it to be frank. I don't like this feeling. Um, but again, kind of what you said, like one of these, one of the uh, teacher and mentor that I like to follow says that all change is loss and loss is like a death and it needs to be grieved. Yeah. And by just rushing through and pushing through and not honoring those feelings, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: the, and the things and the people that we love a disservice. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something, that, and I saw this behind you. I, I can see we're, we're on screens, and this is just an audio-only podcast, mm-hmm. but it came up in one of our virtual meetings through the pandemic, and I noticed that there's a, a little stuffed Eeyore on your bookshelf <laughs> um, back behind couple, you. A couple, actually. And I think I can't remember. A couple, yeah. yeah. All right. so, And I think I can't remember who asked about that, but um, you t- can you tell a little bit about why there's Eeyore on your shelf? Because I do think that's really important to this conversation.
1: Yeah, this is a fun story, actually, because when I was in Bible college, there was this guy who's kind of just a douche, uh, to be honest. He's this big guy. he is a big, huge, like six foot four, probably 250, 300 pounds. So he he could just kind of bully anybody. And he he took advantage of that, even in Bible college, because I was another conversation. But anyway, um, for some reason, he started, he's, whenever I walked by, he'd be like, oh, there's Eeyore. And he's like, one gray rain cloud. Um, and I remember like, this was even in, in my first church job at that Baptist church when I was youth pastor, uh, I think they're the first ones who gave me one of these first Eeyores and kind of since then, I've just kind of embraced like this kind of Eeyore persona. Um, and certainly the, the moniker has fit in many ways, thinking just about my own mental health, kind of the way that my energy, like when i come to a conversation or a it's it can be kind of ho-hum and then my energy will increase um so rather than kind of shy away from it i've just tried to embrace like this is who i am and and not be afraid of that
0: yeah i i think that's so powerful of a story in so many levels for me when i heard that um because i think that guy I'm 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 so interested in when people are named. When people get named things. Hmm. Um especially because I think um I find this contrast in Jesus that he approaches people who have been given labels and mm. he gives them names. Yeah. That's huge, right? Um but the fact is this guy wanted to label you yeah. as this like ho hum. No, it was fun. meant to be as no fun, and look like, look if you were just positive and happy, and is like you could be successful, or you could be <laughs> like you're bringing you're bringing everybody down. Like we used even terms like the Debbie Downer character, yeah, you know, that was popular on SNL and stuff yeah. like that. We get, we throw those around, and. And I will say that there's something, and Brene Brown says this really well. She goes like, vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. Yeah. So there is something to be said about somebody who who doesn't know how to, um. Doesn't have the boundaries to, I don't know, understand the appropriateness of when to bring in all of their grief, all of their their sadness mm-hmm. and anger, and if they if it's if it's on a maxed out to 11 in every conversation, that doesn't, that's not, not boundaries, but somebody who is just like comfortable with being sad, um, is a definite need and a minister to our community, to our, to our world. And I think about how Eeyore actually operates within the the sort of circle of friends in Mm -hmm. the poo. Um, and why actually he's, like for my my children they love eeyore you know and and we've always loved eeyore um because i think he gives children the permission to be sad um and i've loved children's writers like um uh marie sendak and Roald Dahl, who allow kids to have darker emotions to feel anger to not clean it up to put some scary things in there um and what does it do? It, it allows them to actually enjoy the the brighter emotions, the happier emotions as well. It, it embraces the full spectrum of being a human. Um, and so the fact that you actually took that on and said, no, I, I believe that this is something it's you're like, I'm embracing my weakness. And that is, at least in the Jesus language, you know, that's where strength comes from. Strength comes from weakness, not from strength. You know. So uh and I do think that's important in a season like this and for a lot of people who go through similar things like you're going through, um, that they experience this. Kinda of, they, they tap into their inner Eeyore. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean I think there's there's definitely a time and a place, you know, there can if I was all Eeyore all the time, I think that would be a problem. Yeah. Um, but conversely, you and I know that so often Christianity is just expected this to be super peppy positive god is great all the time hallelujah and just come on mm-hmm. that's not the biblical witness like that's not what we yeah. see
0: yeah yeah uh who is it Bar- i'm gonna get her wrong her name wrong
1: barbara, barbara taylor brown yeah
0: barbara brown taylor i think you had the first barbara time. brown taylor <laughs> barbara taylor, <laughs> taylor brown i can't do it barbara taylor brown if taylor you're listening taylor i
1: do want you on the podcast so i'm sorry we're butchering oh. your name
0: I just finished her book learning to walk in the dark and it is a life changer. So important. Um, but, uh, she talks about full solar churches, Mm -hmm. churches that are just like, they don't acknowledge the dark at all. Um, they just, and, and how that just, uh, it lies about the gospel lies about God. And that's something that really bothers me. Um, what is that like for you now? I want to talk a little bit this idea when it comes to closing a church, and experiencing things that are uncomfortable, like grief, and walking people through that. People are still looking to you to be a guide through this transition. What does it look like to be? I am going to use the word because I know you are a family systems guy. Yeah. To be self differentiated in this process.
1: Boy, it's it's been hard. Um, it's been hard. I think in some ways. I've had to advocate for myself and just say like, Hey, this is the best. I literally got nothing else to give you. Like sometimes I have just had to say like, you know, your pep talk isn't what I need right now. I'm giving you the best I got. Um, there's been times I've tried to advocate for my congregation in ways that's blown up in my face. And that's been hard. Um, yeah, I don't I I I don't think to use your word the word, you know, being self-differentiated. Um it's not easy, for sure. It's not easy. Um but I'd like to think anyway that it's the best healthiest approach. Um especially if it's going to honor healthy,
0: me. Not... Right, right. I can see a couple of spots, you know, actually watching actually the whole life of the of mission gathering, really. yeah, um from the first Sunday until the last. a um, couple of places where you made some hard decisions that, in the moment um would have pleased somebody, would have pleased powerful people um, and but would have been maybe off the mission. and Do you, do you think like, if I just would have said yes to those things, would I be in the same situation now or would I have more people?
1: (laughs) You do. I mean, I wouldn't say every day, but the thought crosses my mind a lot. And I, you know, you wonder like, if you had said yes to that person and and caved on this, like, would the story be different? And I think what I have to go back to and, and folks might disagree with me on this, and that's fine speaking of being self-differentiate i guess but i yeah. like i just i'm a believer that god had given me a call and a vision and i know i know this isn't super popular these days this i you know what seems to want seems to be the approach these days is just kind of this this universal this universal consensus of everyone's opinion and matters or everyone's opinion is equally valid and I don't want to discount um people's voices or their stories or their experiences or what they can bring to the table but I know we we talked about this as a staff um kind of this internal value of everyone has a voice but not everyone has a vote and for me at least I just think like different people have different gifts, different, different callings, different skill sets that I, I, I would say are given by God. And, and by equating everyone's opinion or voice or vote to be the same, um, is just, it's diminishing and discounting. What I believe is to be God's gifting, unique gifting to each person. Um, right. So it's, it's hard. I wrestle a lot with it. Like, would things be different? Maybe. Would I be being true to what I believe that God had called me to? I'm not sure. And I don't know what to do with that. I guess that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. That's, but I'll say for that's me. Great. I mean, it, it, yeah. I guess I'd just say for me, like, when push comes to shove, I try to lean back on what I believe that God has called me to and let the chips fall where they may.
0: Oh, man, we can talk forever on that um but it, i and I, I think i probably just that wh- last little thing i'd love to hear your thoughts because it came up in a conversation yesterday was there's the, this company base camp um that does a lot of m- groups meetings and all this stuff a big number of employees get together and they're like hey we need to change kind of the vision and mission of the company to really incorporate social justice more and 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 i was like that's really cool. Yes, they're right. Yes, it's important, um, but it's complicated because then the CEO was like, no, actually, our mission is to deliver the best product for our customers, mm-hmm. not, to, not to get involved. That's, those are things we care about. Those are things we believe in. But as a company, we have to be really focused. And they said, no, we've got to change things. And they let go a third of their staff. Wow. Like in one day. And it's a big company. Wow. Like, and there's something about that that says that's to me what it looks to, to go like, I cannot compromise on the vision. Hmm. I can't compromise on the mission that those are the things. And now we can, we can have conversations about whether that is the right mission, whether it's the, the vision, that's fine. Yeah. But that's a long process. And it usually doesn't happen within like Almost never happens in ultimatums, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when somebody says like, no, we've got to do this now, because there is this anxiety culturally right now yeah. that says, we got to behave in these ways. And it's tricky because I agree with a lot of those values, but it's also there's no way to win. Um, and uh, yeah. and the di- differentiated leader is often lonely and often alone in those things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: speaking of which, let's we're gonna close up with a few questions, but before that, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back for our closing questions. That's the break. Okay, and then we'll do these. Great, so thanks for listening. We've got a few questions, closing questions, Lauren. You get to ask these every time. I'm super curious about your answers. Uh first is if you were Pope for a day, uh what would
1: you do? Um this is this is totally off the top of my head. But I think I'd wanna I wanna travel the world. Um so I'm being the Pope or some similar level of authority would provide me, I imagine, a consider considerable level of resources. So I think traveling the world would be pretty cool. Just even it even if it was literally twenty four hours, just I don't know I don't know. This is a good question. If you were going like yeah. against time, you know, traveling, I don't know. <laughs> Some could totally, maybe um, my geography kind of thinking is wrong, but if you were like going backwards, so to speak against days, could you make it around the world? I wonder in 24 hours, even stopping. That's a good, question. Was a good question. I don't know. I just finished watching that movie tenant
0: that, that does, that talks about travel. Oh, don't spoil it for travel. me. It's Oh, it's no, that's basically the premise. You'll have to watch it. I'm going to have to watch it two or three times to just understand yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of in there, but where, where would you go first? What's the first place in the world? We go?
1: I mean, I feel like Jerusalem would have to be one, you know, I guess I'm Pope, so I don't need to go to Rome cause I'm already there. Um, that's your house. yeah, it's my house. Um, and then, you know, London and then beyond that probably want to go to Asia. Um, I feel like I need to stop off in Antarctica because you know not a lot You're of people pope. get to Antarctica. You got to go to the coldest place. Right. Let's
0: no. Right. When was the last time the Pope went to Antarctica? Right. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I believe um, that God
1: is redeeming the entire world through Jesus. That's right. So let's get some St. Francis up in here. Yeah. Come on now.
0: <laughs> uh, we're gonna go bless some penguins. Yeah. Um. So uh, along those lines, is there a theological or a historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life?
1: I mean, I think the one that comes to mind is kind of, I mentioned Marcus Borg. Um, he's deceased now, and I really credit his book for kind of saving my faith. I got to see, I got to see him once at a, an event several years back, but I think he'd be one I'd be I'd be interested in talking with just because maybe if it was just kind of like thank you, thank you for doing that.
0: Right, right. That's so great. Um, okay, I, I'd like to ask you these questions about like about our current time and place. What do you think history will remember uh, about the church, about Christianity from this time and season in our life?
1: I think the word you've used is anxiety, and that's what that's what I think like we're in just such a time of transition and there's so much anxiety around what's next, what, how do we behave? How do we act? You know, so much is changing and there's so much anxiety around that. And so much of our decisions aren't well thought out or principled. They're just kind of anxious reactions. Um, And you know, there's, there's certainly a lot more that could be discussed there, but that's something that comes to mind for me. Well, then, if we were to turn that
0: over and and ask about the hopes, like what what is your hope for the future of Christianity in the world?
1: I think for me, you know, and I kind of mentioned this at the top, like I am less of a person who, you know, twenty years ago I would be all about my list of core doctrines and why I believe, you know, my list of faith. And my phone is ringing right now. <laughs> I, I think I'd say like. For me, it's to use the word much orthopraxy is much more important than to me than orthodoxy, and I think yeah. following the way of Jesus is something that I'm concerned about more, and I know there's there's a lot there as far as you know who's the historical Jesus and you know what historical traditions do we get that are not really Jesus but are the church and and I th- I think if we're trying, that's a good start.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I think just just that that simplicity and that picture of simplicity is great. Um, well, Lauren, you know, I suppose people can find out more about you here. Uh, you know, in this podcast, the Future Christian. You're also going to be on uh, the Chasing Sunday podcast with. Uh, well, yours truly is are we're, we're talking uh, here, but is there anywhere else that we can uh, find you and people looking to to interact with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm online. I just, uh, on Twitter last night, Paul's recording this. I just changed my name to failed church planner on Twitter. <laughs> ah, I love it. We talked about, we talked about this offline doing that. Um, I have a little media podcast production company called Resonate Media Pro so resonate And I just say, like, if you're someone, this is my sickness to be honest. I love church. I love church. If you're someone who wants to talk about church, if you're passionate about creative, innovative ways to grow and lead church, like I want to talk to you and I just love talking about this stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll close with a story. Like I went to this retreat once amongst other pastors. And one of the things we had to do for the day was a 24 hour period of silence. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm amongst young, energetic pastors and leaders, and i have to be quiet for a day. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Well, Lauren,
0: it was great talking with you. Thanks for being on your own podcast, for being on the, the Chasing Sunday podcast. And uh, I I want to give you a benediction, actually, as we are as we are leaving. I want to leave with you this benediction, Lauren, as you enter this next season, uh, that you, that rest settles into your body and into your mind, and that you experience the full depth of God's grace and love for you, and that in the silence, you hear the, the song of who you are. And, um be blessed. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Thanks, man. There you have it. Lauren Richmond Jr. Um, What a fantastic guy and um, man brave. Um, I really appreciated um, him being so open and vulnerable to talk about um, kind of the death of his church dream as it kind of was happening. I mean, that's what happens. Like we put it in our heart and soul, often into ministry, um, and and often it, it's not going to turn out. And, and maybe it will never really turn out the way we expect it to turn out. That's the thing. Is nobody ever gets to the um, that state, that moment where they go, hey, this is exactly the way I dreamed it from the beginning. No, there's always twists and turns, there's stops, there's flat-out deaths and and rebirths, and um, to have somebody come on and kind of share where they are in the middle of a bit of a crisis, um, I found it very refreshing and encouraging to me to sort of normalize the reality of ministry, which is it doesn't always, it's not always up and to the right. It's not success and growth um, constantly and um, I also really appreciate what he said about, I I love that part about Eeyore. Um, I think we also have these ideas about what it takes to be a ministry leader, that you've got to be gregarious, you've got to be extroverted, you've got to be entrepreneurial um, in that sort of typical sense. Um, And I do think, I think Lauren is a very, he's a good entrepreneur, um, but he doesn't have that temperament, thank God of the of the person who's go 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 he's so energetic he has this this personality that says now maybe it's time to kind of slow down wait maybe there is some part of this permission to be sad permission to maybe even um, sit with some of these more uncomfortable um, emotions and that's okay that doesn't get in the way of productivity or effectiveness or anything that um, it actually makes them more meaningful. And that's kind of what Eeyore, I think, really represents. And um, so a, a shout out to all you worship leaders who are, who are the Eeyores and, and constantly get maybe um, called out or, or teased for being, a I don't know, a downer or something like that. And um, I want to, you to know that the church, the kingdom needs you. They need your voice, they need your perspective doesn't have to be all sunshine all the time um, there is room there is room and Jesus is in that as well um, inviting us to maybe a deeper uh, truer identity um, and maybe in, in a spiritual spirit of worship that's that's more that has more depth and nuance so well that's all I have to say uh, thanks again for listening um, tune in again when uh, when we keep posting these um really appreciate your support uh once again this is the future this is <laughs> this is chasing sundays i'm paul RomagLevitt, levitt also the executive producer of this podcast brian davis is the host music was performed and written by our own danny burton who we love so much um, torn curtain is a 501c3 nonprofit organization so we depend on the gifts and donations for people who love our mission um, which is really our mission is to see stronger smaller churches really um, see stronger families of creatives and, and artists so if you want to know more about what we do go to torncurtainarts.org and check us out um, and if you can support us that would be amazing we would cherish that support Um, but if you can't do that right now just subscribe to our podcast even leave a review that helps other people find us and that's super helpful so if you can take a couple of minutes and do that that would be great Um, you can follow us on all the social media channels Um, but otherwise if you just tune in and listen here we love it when you come so thanks again and goodbye